They just energised each other, I think, and um, through the um, organising his funeral process, obviously we did some chats with the um, celebrant, and one of the most challenging questions he asked us is about, you know, what did Joel mean to us? And for Kieran's answer, and you know, she said, I've been living my life in black and white, and when Joel came into my life, suddenly it was colour. Yeah, it's it's hard to describe, but my my older son, in his um, eulogising of Joel, spoke of strength, and he gave different examples of strength that he'd seen and experienced in his life, but he'd never seen anything, anything at all that came close to what. Joel achieved that day by just merely walking 10 metres. I 10 metres. He was effectively on his deathbed and he dragged himself that 10 steps, 10 metres. And yes, it was partly for him, but it was mostly for everyone else. And to me, that's not only is it strong but what an expression of love that is yeah. that on your deathbed you do something like that for everyone else Mate, stop it. it's defined peace because we, we need to feel that sense of peace in our life but you can't have that peace unless you find it within yourself and too much we look outside of ourselves and 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 we're looking for happiness and we're looking for reward or we're looking for affirmation. But it's already there. It's, you know, most of, the, most of the, the great Eastern philosophers or spiritual people, we already have everything we need and it's inside us. We don't need to go looking outside, but it takes a long time for some of us to, to get to that point. And then even when you get to that point, you still need to... You know, practice it every day, or yeah. even as you mentioned earlier, it's not just every day or every hour, it's every moment. You just joined A Journey with Bernie, and I thank you ever so much, dear listeners, for joining me on this very, very special occasion. Dear folks, it's special because the circumstances that have led to this episode, well, they're, they're rare. Um, they're, in my opinion, they're unique. And we've got to go back to our episode number eight when I met a remarkable young man called Joel State. I call him young. I'm 64. Hey, Keith, how old was Joel? Uh, he was 37 when he Th- passed, Bernie. 37 years of age. And I think most of you will remember that episode because what Joel was able to share with us during his six years from a diagnosis that gave him a very limited time to live, we learned so much from that episode. When recently I was in Nepal climbing that incredible Mera Peak and that journey to Everest Base Camp, I got the call from Andrew Loney. And yeah, Andrew's also a, been a guest on a journey with Bernie. 
And he gave me that incredible news that Joel had passed. I remember I was in the village of Ramachup and I just sat down and I cried because all that Joel had taught me in two hours, I can't believe that it wasn't going to be available for more exploration. Today, dear people, I have Joel's father, um, Keith State. Keith sent me a most incredible text message after he had listened to episode 25, the tribute to, to Joel. And from that message, I deemed that Keith too had a spirit that wanted to keep Joel's legacy fully alive. For this man to drive a couple of hours from Kingscliff, just south of Brisbane, over the New South Wales border this morning, I just feel so privileged and so honoured. And I thank Keith in advance for the immense amount of learning that I do believe this podcast is going to offer. I've already spent an hour plus with Keith this morning and I've just been in awe of the, the discussion um, that, that we've had. Hey, Keith, um, I'm looking at you, pal, and uh, the smile on my face says, right now, I can't promise you for the rest of the, uh, the, the, the podcast, I'm here to celebrate. I'm here to celebrate Joel's life. Um, I'm here to celebrate all that he gave me. I can't imagine what he gave you over his lifetime, but uh, those two hours with Joel were very, very, very special. Did you listen? To episode eight? Yeah, I listened to it, Bernie. It was um, <clears throat> one of my main motivators for listening to it really was that um, Joel was pretty good at hiding how he actually was yeah. with his, his illness. And um, so I really wanted to see if you dug deep enough to into his mind and his thought process that would tell me a bit more about what he was actually experiencing because, you know, as a, as, a, as a son, he was always trying to protect us and guard us against what he was going through. So, so yeah, I definitely listened to it. So can I ask you, how did we go? Uh, did, did we dig deep enough? Did you learn something about uh, look, Joel from that episode? Yeah. Uh, look, you know, as a parent, we're supposed to guide our children, but I think, you know, our whole family's learnt so much from Joel's experience. And um, But, yeah, the, the main thing I got out of that was that he actually did acknowledge that death was a possibility and... Um, that he did think about it more often than he that he let on, and he didn't seem to be frightened of that. But um, and I guess at that stage when you did the podcast, it, it even though it was a possibility, it wasn't a reality until yeah. recent times when it did it become all too real. How, how did you cope in that podcast with a message, where, which I thought was just astounding, mm. where he actually said? that in some sort of way he was actually thankful mm. for the experience that he was going through 
because it actually taught him more about life. Mm. Uh, how, how did that message resonate with you? Did you understand what he was talking about? Yeah, I, I guess so because, you know, I guess I've been on similar sorts of journeys to him in, in seeking what it's about in life. But um, I guess in my mind he was already leading a great life. But he honed that down and, and was um, a bit more specific in chasing the goals that he wanted to achieve and and where he put his emphasis, you know, I, I think and, and probably um, his former manager would have agreed to that, that, you know, he, he, he worked to live, not live to work. Yeah. And that, and that was yeah, one of my life yeah. philosophies, I guess. But so, you know, he really honed in and he, and he found purpose with um, the Smitty Foundation, I yeah, guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There, there's, there's one word there you use twice and it's amazing how I've honed in on it. Mm. <laughs> the, 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 the concept that such a circumstance could make you hone down to what's in, important, mm. what, what, what do you believe that in that circumstance Joel did hone down into what became – and I suppose I'm asking because I'm imagining that it could be an outcome for many people who came to think the way that Joel did. Mm. What do you mm. think he honed into? Um, well, I, I guess at a, at a basic level, I guess he, he looked at what was the most important thing in his life and that was people. Um, family and and you know close friends and and I guess um, as as we spoke about earlier, love has always been expressed freely in our family and and but it was more so and and his understanding of that and and how important it was and I, I still vividly remember one of our last conversations, just walking the corridor in the hospital and his and we were talking about kindness. And even, you know, even in those final weeks where he was suffering, he was always so thankful for everyone that did everything for him, whether it was the cleaner or the the, the food yeah. service people yeah. or the nurses or the doctors. He was always so thankful even through pain and suffering. And, and we had a conversation about that and 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 it made me realise, you know, that it's much easier to be kind and and then what you get back is tenfold. It's like yeah, it's yeah, it's hard to explain yeah, well, it in a better way, but well, well, what I'm hearing is 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 that you saw him become so acutely aware of momentary opportunities to to live what ultimately for Joel with life him becoming more aware of life, what ultimately he became aware of was that kindness, nurture, care, love, and the expression of it was what mattered. Yeah. And he expressed it even to the cleaner. Yeah. yeah. Expressed it's, it to. It's as, it's as simple as that. And, uh, and we've probably all experienced an occasion where you've been nice to someone, whether it's a checkout chick at Coles, and they're almost <laughs> taken aback because they're not – you know, in our society today, people aren't used to having people express kindness and, and love or whatever it is that you want to express to them. 
there's it's such a confrontational society now. I think people aren't used to those experiences. Well, mate, it's such a confrontational society that we who are in our 60s, we've got to be reminded that there are checkout boys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> Please don't apologise, mate. I'm, I'm, in, I'm enjoying the, I'm enjoying the reference. Um, you, you mentioned before that you always regarded your family. Um, now let's just go over that. That's that's you and Kathy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's Joel's mum. Yeah, yeah. And the other two boys' names. Yeah, Kyle and Jay. Yeah. So there's been five of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And you've always um, regarded that you've always been a loving family. Yeah, yeah. without without fail. Yeah, it's yeah. it was. I guess. On my part, it was a conscious decision because of my own upbringing, and I'm not saying that I had a bad upbringing, but there was no overt expression of love, um, and that was something that I learnt as we talked about through my wife's family, yeah. in particular her mother, um, and it had a profound effect on me, and it it made me want to bring my kids up that way, and and live our life that way so yeah don't get me wrong we all have our moments and our challenges and you know life is what it is but behind all that there was you know there was love and and care and consideration for each other do you think your your reference to you know your family and you know i'm thinking of mine as well mm. do you think it was generational you know do you believe i mean we're talking about our parents mm. Who went through world wars? Mm. Um, mm. A whole different, perhaps, attitudinal set. Religion playing an enormous role, sometimes a fearful role. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Mm. Do, do you feel that that generation just wasn't aware, or or maybe even they were conditioned to see love in a certain way? Yeah, I think. Um I think I've heard you speak previously about, you know, we're, we're conditioned by our upbringing and, and I guess that's the case. And when I was younger, I used to be angry about that. But now that I'm a bit hopefully older and wiser, um, I acknowledge that that's probably the case. They were brought up that way and, and they brought us up that way. And, and certainly corporal punishment was very wow. readily dished out in that yeah. era, which is, yeah. you know, an absolute no-no now. So, yeah, um, so, yeah. yeah definitely different times. And, yeah. and, you know, with time, I guess I've come to accept that it wasn't bad. It was just yeah. different. Yeah. 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 I'm aware that some of our listeners here who may not have caught up with Episode 8 and our tribute to Joel in Episode number 25, um, I, I'm assuming they actually know the story. So without dwelling upon it for too long, mm. let's go back approximately six years ago. I remember Joel telling me he was doing a triathlon mm. a triathlon in New Zealand yeah. when he discovered, you know, blood in his urine. Not long after that, he's stimulated to actually go to find out what that was all about. Yeah. Um, the the diagnosis that he that he got, how dire was it at that time? Yeah, it was it was bad. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't get any worse. Um, he just got a phone call from the surgeon and said, "This is what it is. Have a look on the internet." Yeah. and that was it. And, um, and of course, we all did look on the internet, and worst thing you can possibly do because it was it was an incurable rare cancer, and 
So, you know, it, it, it seemed like things were going to happen pretty fast. But, yeah. but, you know, fortunately for us, we did get that six and a bit years. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Was he given a time frame? Uh, yeah, that's a that's a tough one. I, I don't believe in time frames for people like that because, you know, we've all seen it. Well, my wife and I are both nurses, so we've seen that before. You put limits on people and yeah. they will meet their that destination. But um, it certainly did come up in an early conversation with an oncologist with his um, – with his then wife, um, who asked for a time frame and was was told without any treatment, twelve months was probably the likely extent of his life. So, yeah. The 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 the, the reason why I'm asking for that early time frame that came with the diagnosis is he then survived six years. Mm-hmm. Um, how how did that happen? Like if, if he's meant. If the schedule says you've only got a year, three mm. months or whatever, mm. what did you see happen within Joel that enabled him to survive? And the the young man that sat here during this podcast mm. uh, you know, around about four, five, six months ago, right, he was thriving. Yeah, but when I say thriving, mm. I'm not talking about the physical. But I'm talking about the attitude towards life, the mm. way that he was seeing his love with his beautiful partner Kieran. Mm. Um, the guy was fully alive. It, yeah. That was the exciting thing. Mm. What did you see happen that enabled him to live those five years? Oh, look, I guess right from day one, he never ever. Um, conceded that it was a death sentence you know he he said right we'll 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 do whatever we got to do and then fortunately had a couple of good doctors on side who did do the research and and managed to get him on some trials so once once he could see that people were also fighting for him I think that really sparked him I mean as well as his own inner Mm. inner um strength but um and he and yeah and he did Fairly quickly get some positive results. So I guess that sort of reinforced his own his strength that you know I can beat this. I can, yeah, doesn't matter if no one else has survived it. I can, mm. you know. So, mm. um, and certainly, um, I guess you know, he, I guess he drew on his network and his family and his friends. And um, but it, it, I guess, and I guess unless we have that sort of scenario for ourselves, you can never really 100% know what goes on in that person's mind. And I guess some people give up, but for him, obviously, he took the other path and thought, I'm going to fight this and I'm going to live life like there's no tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he did. And um, yeah, and, and you know, through the experiences that we've had in recent months, I know that it was his own inner strength Um and wanting to live that life that he enjoyed. Um, certainly throughout his teenage years and early adult years, you know, I became very interested in, you know, Buddhism and their philosophies and the yogi practices and things. And, and I certainly imparted that onto all the boys and, and probably um, he certainly took a lot of that on board as mm. well. So, mm. so I guess he developed, a, developed his spiritual side as well. 
Yeah. Um, but, you know, he was happy and open to try anything and everything, including products from Nimbin, et cetera. So, um, <laughs> Mate, you know. that's just down the road from you. Exactly hey, right. You might have yeah. been the catalyst. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, we certainly certainly met some interesting characters down there um, um, getting some product. But, um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but no, look. Uh, Elaborate yeah. on product. Yeah, it's an interesting place. If anyone's not been to the Hemp Embassy, I think yeah. it's worth a visit just for the yeah. experience. And you go downstairs there and um, they ask you if you want to consult and you look around and you can't see any medical people there whatsoever. But anyway, yeah. but yeah. they do sell um, cannabis oils and pastes and things like that that are purported to and you know it's all becoming mainstream now but the problem with their product I think probably is that it's not regulated so there's no guarantees about strengths and things but they, yeah. they prescribe it and they tell you how to use it and he certainly used it initially and at different times and mm. I think probably the greatest benefit he got out of it was some of the product helped him to sleep a bit at yeah. times and yeah and yeah. and as he always said, look, who knows which one's working, the drugs or the the drugs? But yeah. um, um, he was happy to try anything to to oh, I, I, solve it. I got the feeling from my chat with him that 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 he was quite okay in acknowledging mm. that you know you know some of the product, as you call it, mm. was very advantageous mm, um, mm, to mm, him. Mm. And 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 please forgive me, I'm I'm switching podcasts to the Howie Games recently. Yeah. A podcast with Andrew Johns, mm, who mm. speaks uh, strongly mm. about you know the value, and I'm reading left, right, and centre about. Yeah, you know, stuff that is uh, that's plant based, mm. that's mm. of uh, you know natural from the earth yeah. that we once sort of like feared yeah. Um, yeah. for its psychedelic oh, rearrangement no. yeah. of ourselves, yeah. and now they're seeing such value in it, and mm. it makes me think like. What did we have to fear from nature in the first place? There was probably always a value yeah, in it, which yeah. we just didn't learn what it. That's exactly what, what right. It, what yeah, it was, you exactly know? right. Hey, buddy, you um, you you spoke about your interest in in Buddhism, and there are aspects of that philosophy that you were always keen to pass on to the boys. Mm. Can you elaborate on a couple of those aspects or beliefs? Mm that you, you think were advantageous, not only to pass on to Joel in this circumstance, but, but to your three boys? Mm. Yeah, look, I, I guess, you know, like most of us, we struggle with what life's about and et cetera. So I've been on that journey for 30, 40 years now, I guess. And, um, you know, I first got into yoga and then I started to do a lot of the reading. And a lot of people get into yoga and think, oh, do some exercise. Well, in my mind, yoga is not about exercise. It's it's a spiritual journey and it's a, it's about understanding the philosophies that stand in the background of that. And Buddhism certainly is one that sits there. Um, and for me, it was about, you know, trying to manage the monkey mind. So it was always for me about exploring things that, would help me be more mindful and be present and be in the moment. And um, I guess, yeah, just how to be a better human being, really. Yeah, yeah. sure, sure, yeah. sure. You, you mentioned the in the moment, and, and, and again, it's it's one of those phrases, isn't it, that mm. if anybody is on particularly a spiritual journey, they're going to, going to come across that phrase mm. all the time. Yeah. From 
your your Buddhist journey, sorry, your, your journey discovering and understanding Buddhism mm. and yoga, etc. Mm. Mm. What did you want to teach Joel and your boys about how to be in the moment? What's one of the secrets to be more momentary mm-hmm. um, than 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 what most people are? Yeah, like, I, well, I guess one of the classic things is just to 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 be aware of your breath. Simple as that. Just breathe. Stop whatever you're doing, sit and breathe. And even if you only do that for a couple of breaths, you've lived in the moment for that moment. Yeah. Um, the other thing I, I think is just to appreciate your surroundings. You know, when you, whatever you're doing, be there. Don't be somewhere else. Like if you're walking, and I see so many people walking down the beach at home and they've got headphones in and they're on their phone talking to someone they don't realise they're walking on the beautiful pristine white sand. They don't see the beautiful blue ocean. They don't see the clear blue sky or the clouds. They don't see the trees. They don't see the birds. So it's just about being with and whatever is there at that moment, I guess. Why is it important to see those things? Because that's that's the real world. That's what we're all connected to. That's what we're part of. It's yeah. you know, It's not separate to us. Yeah. We're all part of it and it's all part of us. Yeah. Um, See, I think there's some concepts there that people are saying, well, how am I connected to that bird? Mm. You know, And, and I, I know we shared this story out there before in our, in our prior meeting where I said I love taking people to Nepal. Mm. And I said I want to introduce them to the Holy Trinity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this yeah. is not a Catholic or a Christian no. statement. It's... It, it's the Himalayas, for example, the most powerful force of nature. But mm. that Himalayas, where we see millions and millions of trees, and we're breathing in the oxygen mm. of, from every one of those leaves through the process of photosynthesis, and the forces that have created that Himalayan range, like the earthquakes, mm. the movement of the earth, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, is the same forces that created the, the the earth that gave us a carrot yeah, or yeah. a tomato yeah, that we then right. consume. So, so they. Be become a, a, a part of it. I, mm. I mean, how can we not see ourselves as connected? Mm. Bring it back to Joel now. How did, how did he tap into, into that in a way that gave him more life? Well, I think if you experience every moment uh, for what it is, then you are living yeah. Whereas most people aren't like living, they're just existing. Yeah. I, I think he classically, probably even during your podcast, said, when I'm walking the dogs, I'm walking the dogs. Yeah, yeah. I'm not thinking about work. I'm not yeah. thinking about what I'm doing tomorrow. I'm walking yeah. my dogs. Yeah. And while I'm walking the dogs, I'm yeah. appreciating the nature around me. And, yeah. Um, and, you know, if if someone's given you a potential death sentence, then... If you don't become acutely aware of yeah. life and living, then nothing's going to wake you up. Yeah. yeah. Can I tell you where I saw it in him? I saw it that first morning I went to that breakfast mm. and Joel was the guest speaker. Right. Now, there wasn't – you could have heard the pin drop. Mm. There wasn't an ounce of noise in amongst an audience that was having breakfast. Right. And Joel was speaking – of mm. his journey, not a bike ride. Mm. It was a riding for Smitty's mm. uh, yeah. event, yeah. you know. 
And he, he finishes this, and I'm sure while most people didn't stand, there was that feeling from the ovation, there was an energy that so wanted to appreciate mm. all that he gave in his 15-minute mm. speech mm. of his journey. And it wasn't any of that that actually struck me as living in the moment. It was when he came back to the table his table, and I've still got that glorious picture of his partner, Kieran, standing up to greet him. Mm. And the way those two hugged, I think Joel had already forgotten his speech. <laughs> yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and he'd come back to Kieran and they just celebrated in the moment. Yeah. And I, I saw that love yeah. There and I thought, geez, that's there's something going on there that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that I want to know about. For <laughs> you know, sure, it, yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Uh, look, it was very special. It's very cliche, but if you know, if you've ever seen an example of true love, that was it, and you got to witness it that day. I saw it in that moment, but when you say that, what did you witness that told you that this is an incredible degree and depth of love? Yeah. What did you see? They just energised each other, I think, yeah. and um, through the um, organising his funeral process, obviously we did some chats with the um, celebrant and one of the most challenging questions he asked us is about, you know, what did Joel mean to us? Yeah. And for Kieran's answer, and you know, she said, I've been living my life in black and white. And when Joel came into my life, suddenly it was colour. Buddy, we agreed we were allowed to cry, yeah, right? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Wow. And, yeah, I'll never forget that. Wow, wow. Who proposed? <laughs> was it Joel? Well, I, I, yeah, I, they were supposed to get married earlier in the year and then they put things off and the, the, their wedding was due to be in November down at Fingal at one of the special spots there. But unfortunately, due to the, the illness catching up with him, it was um, yeah, an emergent ceremony at the um, palliative care unit at Prince Charles. But, yeah. but it was still a beautiful, beautiful moment. Yeah. Take us there. No. <laughs> no, because yeah, I'm know, just aware yeah. that there... It's um, some extraordinary things that that most human beings would never witness, mm, and mm. and best of luck trying to describe it. Yeah. First of all, can we let the listeners know, please, yeah. that this is there is a wedding going on. Where is it? The wedding was the one that happened. Yeah. Yeah, it happened at the um, in the gardens at the palliative care unit at Prince Charles Hospital in Brisbane. How many weeks before his passing? How many Four days? Four days. Four? Four days. Four days. What did you see? What happened? Uh, well, I saw love like nothing I've ever seen before, not just... Joel and Kieran, but the family that was there, the the um, friends, the few f close friends that he would allow to come, um, 
the way that the, the, the family and friends prepared the garden and, and a few refreshments and photos and decorations and things was just pure love in itself for, for what they were trying to achieve. And, you know, you've got to take into account here by this time, Joel's already said to the doctor he's had enough and it's time to go. So he's already being medicated to the point where it's often hard for him to be aware. And, um, yeah, I, I, Kieran helped him get dressed and she had her wedding dress. And then I wheeled him out to a, a courtyard area and he insisted on getting out of that wheelchair, walking arm in arm with Kieran to the altar that they'd created. And my eldest son played the guitar and sang a song, which was heartbreaking. And their two dogs were there with their bow ties on. <laughs> um, was this their dogs? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And, what type uh, of dogs? Are two they? Labradors, so yeah, <laughs> two old fellas. So um, yeah, so there was, you know, it was a small cast, obviously for obvious reasons, but it was it was beautiful, but it was sad. And it was happy all at the same time. But the look on his face, you know, for those of us who, who knew what was going on, I could see pain, but I could see love. And he he had a smile on his face because he knew that what he was doing was fulfilling their dream, you know, of a life together. As as brief as it would be, yeah, um, yeah. I guess the, the, this next question, I, and I'm, I'm apologising because it's more about me than it is you. But mm. I just keep on hearing about this moment when he stood up, yeah. because Dominic in episode twenty five spoke about it as the most courageous thing. Mm that he'd ever, ever seen. Yeah. And I'm trying to, to, to dig down to what, what did people see that made it so courageous? What did people see that they deem it one of the most loving pieces of action that mm. they witnessed? Uh, yeah, it's, it's hard to describe it. My, <clears throat> my older son in his um, eulogising of Joel spoke of strength and he gave different examples of strength that he'd seen and experienced in his life, but he'd never seen anything, anything at all that came close to what Joel achieved that day by just merely walking 10 metres. 10 metres. He was effectively on his deathbed and he dragged himself that 10 steps, 10 metres and yes, it was partly for him, but it was mostly for everyone else. Yeah. And to me, that's not only is it strong, but what an expression of love that is. Yeah. That on your deathbed, you do something like that for everyone else. Mate, stop it. Stop it. Stop it. How are you, how are you feeling in, in, in that moment? Are, are you, are you seeing love? Are you seeing pain? Are you seeing, Courage. Yeah, uh, I saw lots of pain, but I saw love, and I saw happiness, and I saw sadness because they knew that what they were doing was only going to be short-lived. Yeah, 
in yeah. in the physical world. Yeah. You just mm. see the colour. <laughs> mm. Yeah. His colour wasn't great. No, but the 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 colour that Kieran was mm. re, re, referring to. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's the it's the Nail it, Keith. What was his message on that day? What was he stating not only to those who witness but stating to those who hear this and have got any imagination for this this scene? Mm. What was his message? Love the ones you're with. Be honest and authentic. Yeah, I, yeah, I can't yeah. honestly think of anything else at the moment, Bernie, to be honest. Let's broaden it, you know, to beyond that incredible um, event. What was his message over the last five years, you know, since he got the 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 diagnosis? And, and, and I'm assuming that his message actually shifted you 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 also saw his involvement mm. as a human being mm. through this 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 force of expectation that mm. that was always hanging around what did you see that others should understand well i think the key thing you know you know it's probably just repeating what we've talked about previously is that Probably like everyone else, until that, until that diagnosis, he was just existing. He was having a great life, but yeah. he was still just existing. He wasn't, he wasn't, as we spoke about, living in the moment. Yeah. You know, I, even before his illness, I you know introduced some of those ideas to him, and he certainly had embraced some yoga and meditation himself. Yeah. But I think. Once he once he had that diagnosis and he started to get on a treatment plan, then then it was just exactly that. Just live your life, do what you want to do, be what you want to be. But you know, don't you don't have to be accountable to everyone. You you be honest to yourself and live an honest, authentic life. You, you know, express yourself in an honest way. Don't. Yeah. It's interesting listening to you very carefully. I'm coming back to that word hone. It seems to be the word that I can't get rid of in the back of my mind at the moment because you're saying live your life but hone down to know what your life mm. is about mm. and then have the courage to live it mm. and live it now. Mm-hmm. Get in the moment. Mm. Um, stop wasting time um, and, and energy being distracted by, yeah. you know, all, yeah. all, the other stuff. all the other stuff. Does that resonate? Absolutely. I mean, you know, like... I guess it would be easy to look at it and say, oh, of course he went and did the Smitty stuff because he's raising money for cancer, et cetera. He didn't have to do that. He did it because he loved it. He but did he loved it. bike. He loved That's cycling. what I mean. He, yeah, he loved yeah. cycling. Yeah. And a, a side consequence of that was, well, if I'm going to cycle, I may as well cycle for a worthwhile cause yeah. and raise some money. Yeah. And he knew that that money wasn't helping him. Yeah. I mean, the martyr research where the money goes to doesn't help rare cancers. Sure. Um, so it wasn't like it was a selfish thing to do. Yeah. You know, 
as well as living his own life, he, he, he tried to do things that could make a difference, even if it was only for one other person, you know, and that yeah. was part of his journey with Smitty, I guess, yeah. was if I can... And, and you alluded to the fact that, you, you know, your first meeting was a speaking engagement. He absolutely hated doing that because <laughs> that's not his personality, you know. But he and, – and and you would probably agree, like, you wouldn't employ him as a public speaker. He's not a dynamic speaker. It's his story that that draws people in. Yeah, I get, I get what you're saying. But what I, what I saw that morning – and I'm now thinking too, if he didn't like public speaking, then, you know, approaching the podcast that I did with mm. him, I wonder how he felt about mm. you know, leading up to that. Mm. And yet on both occasions, what actually stands out is the honesty, the openness and the transparency that penetrated whoever he was as a public speaker became mm, irrelevant mm, because mm. he just gave us heart. Yeah, and that's that's what I mean. He, he talked, he spoke authentically and that's what people connected to. It wasn't it wasn't his dynami- dynamism or whatever on the stage. It was that he had an authentic story to tell and, yeah, it's a pretty bloody tragic story. So, um, you know, it was compelling um, and, and it, well, it garnered people's interest and and I guess, as he said, if I help one person, then my job is done, and that's what it was about. Yeah. Well, well thank the heavens he never did a Toastmaster course <laughs> and, and and became overstructured because yeah, yeah. We, we we may have missed something that was potent mm, um, mm, and mm, really mm, penetrated mm. the 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 mindset and the spirit of people. Mm, mm. You know through through that morning, yeah. and I know through the podcast the uh, amount of feedback that I've got back that just said thank you, thank you, thank you mm-hmm. for what they learned, you know, mm. from 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 that experience. Yeah. Um, you've also mentioned the or alluded to, rather than us being a, a topic. Let's try to make it a topic that the spiritual journey became um, more important to him. Um, I had the, I've got the feeling from speaking to you previously that you've been aware of it um, on a personal basis in your own own life, mm, you know. Mm. What does the spiritual journey mean? <laughs> I mean, there's a heck of a lot of people out no. there, you know, you know, Lorna Jane is having a bloody good time at the moment mm-hmm. as particularly our younger ones, right, they're all showing off the curves and yeah, uh, yeah. they're making sure that the, you know, the abdomen's got the six-pack. The physical seems to be having a bloody good run at mm-hmm. the moment. Mm-hmm. Having said that, I want to be fair to our current generation, yeah. right, because I don't think I – I could ever imagine a generation who says to me so often, oh, I'm not religious, but uh, I believe in the universe. Mm-hmm. And I think they're aware that there is something greater than self. They're just not buying into mm. deity and ceremony and perhaps what they consider some human-made concepts that started a heck of a long time ago. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. mm-hmm. You talk about the importance of the spiritual journey. You talk about Joel utilising it to add value to his life. What, what do you mean by the spiritual journey? What's it look like? Uh, well, for me, I guess it just started as a 
you know, uh, like a lot of people, an existential crisis, I suppose, in my what 20s. What does that mean? Like well, I don't know. It's a, it's, a, it's a cliche, isn't it? But um, <laughs> it's, 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 I guess it's a, a point in your life where you reach where you think, what the hell is this all about? Yeah. Why am I doing this? Why, why am I feeling like this? So it's, it's an exploration of what it's all about, I guess. And, yeah. and, you know, there are those who, people who go off on the economic journey or the, you know, whatever the political journey or the whatever journey they go on. But for people like myself, it, it just becomes all encompassing and I have to find the answer, you know, what, what is this all about? And, and it's taken probably close to 40 years, but I think I'm starting to get close to understanding what I was really looking for. Wow. And, and I think, you know, having heard some of your previous guests, Bernie, I think you know, the, the, the similar journey to me, that's where, where we're aiming for. And it's it's to find peace because we, we need to feel that sense of peace in our life. But you can't have that peace unless you find it within yourself. And too much we look outside of ourselves and, and, and we're looking for happiness and we're looking for reward or we're looking for affirmation but it's already there. It's you know most of the most of the the great Eastern philosophers or spiritual people, we already have everything we need, and it's inside us. Yeah. We don't need to go looking outside. But it takes a long time for some of us to to get to that point. And then even when you get to that point, you still need to, you know, practice it every day. Or yeah. even as you mentioned earlier, it's not just every day or every hour. It's every moment. I, I, I would not like it if anybody listening to this podcast at the moment um, lost touch with that we're actually talking about Joel, even though at the mm. moment I, I, mm. I've, I've got you sharing about your own practices and what you see. Mm. But I'm also aware that Joel, even before the diagnosis, was starting to learn yeah. of this journey yeah. from the good man that you are. And then I assume that it became even more pertinent for him in those in those six years. Yeah. Are you able to comment on that spiritual journey of the six years? How did how did he make it stronger? How how did it work for him? How did it add even more strength and value well, to I th- him? Yeah, I th- I think well, he, I think he was able to practice it more. Or practice some of those skills more yeah. through Kieran, because you know she bought into whatever needed to be done yeah. to make life better for him. So I guess you know they fed off each other to to create the best possible environment yeah. to live in. And, and and I think once you know the power and benefits of mindfulness, whatever you want to call it, meditation. Um, you can't deny it if you've experienced it. Yeah. So why wouldn't you do more? Yeah. Um, you know, and certainly in the last 18 months, you know, he, he probably wasn't as well as he made out and, and a lot of that, we assumed, was the side effects of drugs and things. So yeah. he, he did find it more and more difficult to do that sort of meditative practice, but um, yeah. but he still tried and I know that he read a lot of stuff. And, yeah. And for me, that's that that's works as well, you know, yeah. like... Um, 
you know, some of these these gurus, you know, they talk about walking meditations. They talk about you know silent meditations. They whatever anything that you do is meditation if you're mindful about yeah. what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's uh, it's not rocket science. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. It, 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 but there is that perception that it's you know, as I think I mentioned in a mm. previous podcast, that it's Rafiki sitting on the rock with mm. legs crossed and and you know the, yeah. the fingers of each hand you know touching towards the heavens. Um, whereas you're 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 giving the term meditation so many different descriptions there as to what it is, but ultimately. Mm. It's it's keeping the intervention of thought, memory, data entering into our moment, keeping it at at, at bay. Absolutely. I I feel that you've actually alluded to two other things there that that I think are important to understand. You saw that Joel was able to perhaps enhance his spiritual journey through the support of Kieran – in other words, when two people, three people, a community of people start to support each other and create that environment um, where, 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 whereby they are sharing that spiritual journey, mm. that's powerful. Absolutely. And I think, I think he probably mentioned it in your um, podcast with him that um, – you know, like for example, in in my situation, because we lived a couple of hours away, I would send him texts all the time saying, "Thinking of you, sending positive vibes." You know, blah 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 blah. But he talked about that with Kieran that they would sit and meditate, and and she would be sending him positive thoughts, and he could actually experience that and feel it. So that's how powerful it is. If if you open your mind to it, we have unbelievable power within us. Have you ever experienced that? Where you've actually felt someone else's warmth? Because well, that's what he said. Yeah. He said he actually much. felt her warmth. Yeah, yeah. I don't know that I can say that I've felt that, but I certainly, since his passing, have, have felt that he was within me, you know, during some meditation wow. process. Yeah. Yeah. So, you've seen him elsewhere too. Yeah, I see him everywhere. I see him everywhere, I, I, and like I do a lot of my cycling on a wind trainer at home on the deck, and I see him in butterflies, I see him in birds, I see him in trees, I see him in plants, because we all are of the one, you know. We're all of the universe. We're all we're all connected, you know. We fight so hard against each other, but we're all just one. Um, so we should be loving each other, not. Not um, fighting. Buddy, you start to sound like your son now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, he taught me well. Because <laughs> I remember saying to him at one stage, mate, you're blowing my mind. You know? Yeah, I remember that yeah, comment. Yeah, you're blowing my mind. You know? mm. Mate, the other thing you spoke about before was you alluded to learning in books, you know, and, and we could throw in there podcasts. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Uh, what... <laughs> What's your experience of of dedicating time to reading, dedicating time to learning and growing and evolving? That pathway and dedication to growth 
What is the impact of that on becoming a loving life? Well, I guess it's a product of what you read, isn't it? Because, you know, I, I used to run some cardiac rehab and heart failure programs and, and you know, when you talk to people about diet, you, you know, you, you use an analogy of would you pour sugar into your fuel tank of your car? Yeah. Of course not. You put the best fuel you can into your car. So with your diet, you put the best food into your body that you can. Yeah. Well, what are you going to do with your mind? Yeah. You need to put good stuff in there. What a great analogy. So, you know, if you read the appropriate books or, or, or the scriptures or whatever yeah. you want to call them, yeah. um, um, you know, it's not all about the power of positive thinking. That's you know, that's that's probably old school now. But um, but you put good stuff in, put good stuff into your mind, and you will develop those those feelings, those understandings, that awareness, and you will become a more loving and caring person. And conversely, if you're putting rubbish into your mind, yeah, the yeah. opposite will be true. Yeah. Uh- Bring it to life for us with a, a, a book or two that that you've read mm. and you can say, I read this in a book and this is how it shifted a paradigm within mm. me. I, um, I, I listened to this particular podcast and this is how it immediately gave me a breakthrough thought and value to my life. Mm. Are you yeah. able to do that? Uh, I'll try. I, I, like the only one that comes to the top of my head right now is because I read it yesterday. Is I was telling you about the book of poetry on loss, and um, you know we, we're talking about love as the main goal here, which we all should be you know striving to achieve. But and obviously at the moment, you know the family and and. Joel's close people are really grieving and it's a difficult concept to deal with but in this book of poetry there was a line there that that sort of says grief is love upside down and inside out so it's still love and um, so straight away that you know it was part of my healing process that made sense I thought it's not I'm not being sad I'm still loving just in a different way yeah how did Kathy and her family, what did they offer you that became a catalyst? Um, love. Wow. Um, yeah, as I mentioned earlier, I didn't have a bad childhood, but I never, ever experienced love in that way, like yeah, physically, emotionally, verbally, whatever, just to be hugged. Told that you're loved. Wow. You know, it's, yeah. To be told that you're loved? Are you, are you? you... I don't don't ever remember, you know, as a child being hugged and and told I love you. Mm. But then someone through her family said that and and even that moment, that, that, that hug had a tremendous impact. Yeah, well, I mean, it was actually Kath's mum, and you know, she was a, a good Catholic lady with eleven kids, bringing her up on her 11, own, and 11 yeah, kids. yeah, good Catholic. But her whole way of living was to open her arms and open her doors, and you know, herd everyone in and look after them. And that's that was my first true experience of what true, you know, truly loving was. What age were you when 
No, I was 19, probably 18, okay. 19. Yeah. When you met Kathy. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I know. So you're really saying up to about 19 years of age and all these formative years of your life, you, you, you weren't on the receiving end of demonstrative love, mm. you know, mm. um, and, and indeed any, any feeling of, of that loving experience was probably minimal. Mm. And yet do you now demonstrate your love physically, oh, your hugs? Your, absolutely. Yeah? Yeah, I, I was probably talking about it earlier. I was, I was reflecting on the fact that when I was young, you know, as 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 young men, we might shake hands or we slap each other on the back or yeah. something, you know, whatever. But now, most of my my male friends and relatives, we actually hug each other, which yeah. is you know, it's quite bizarre to see the shift over time, and it's great. And um, I think I don't know if you want me to relay the story about the, the friend. Um, after Joel's funeral, it was a friend who's older than me, so he's around 70, actually came up and, and sort of expressed how amazed he was at, at the love that he saw in our family, our little tight group, and, and he just couldn't believe it because he'd never experienced it in his life. And, um, and that really connected with me. I really felt for him and, you know, I know his background, I know his circumstances, so I, I know what he was saying was right. And But for me, what we had was normal and what we call normal and, and you know, it made me realise that everyone else's normal is not necessarily the same as our normal, which is okay. We're all different. But I had the opportunity in the last few days to actually um, catch up with the same friend at a function and I pulled him aside and, and just took him in in my arms and said, mate, this group here, which happened to be a running group, this is your family and we all love you and we care about you. Did you say that to him yeah. or were you holding him at that time? Yeah, I was holding his arms and I was saying that to him. Yeah. and And he just said thank you. This is the boy and the teenager from the ISA, um, the fireman. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Not so tough, eh? But then having said that, it takes a lot of strength and I think that's what people are lacking is that inner strength to express yeah, their true feelings. Yeah, you actually beat me to it. Please. Sorry. No, 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 don't excuse me. Don't you dare say I'm sorry, mate. But you beat me to it because I was about to say, uh, no, I think, I, I think, that is tough. That is not tough's not the right word. No. That's courage, mate. Mm. To become that human being, to activate that journey and to actually go down that pathway to to, to become what you are, are mm. talking about. And yeah. you know, if Joel hadn't have been what he's been through, I may not have had the strength to do that. I might have wanted to do it. But I might not have had the strength to do that. Now, this I'm finding fascinating because my image that I had before was that you were already heading down that pathway mm. and you were becoming that. But now you're actually saying, possibly as a result of the last six years and your journey with Joel, this is who you have found you are becoming? Well, I guess I was that person, but I didn't 
necessarily act on it. And that's the key, isn't it? You know, we can think it, we can say it, but it's actually doing it. You know I'm going to ask this, mate. <laughs> I go. What other actions are now surfacing? Mm, it's interesting. I had As another, a result. Uh, yeah, yeah, I had another experience a few weeks ago. Being a cyclist, I don't like to see other cyclists in trouble. And I was driving home and I saw a, a young lady on the side of the road with a bike turned upside down and I thought I should stop. But I'm also in the back of mind thinking young female, old male, you know, the typical cliches of our current society. So I kept driving and it just started ticking away at me and then I just pictured Joel in my mind and thought, no, he would have stopped. And I would have stopped initially but for the fears of our modern society. And I drove about a kilometre down the road and I got to a roundabout and I said, okay, mate, we're going back. And I turned around and went back. Yeah. And it turned out to be the classic Scandinavian backpacker yeah. um, who was by then wheeling a bike. And yeah. um, I said, oh, I'll give you a lift if you like. Thankfully for me, I had my grandson in the back seat, so it wasn't as you know, trepidatious for her, I yeah. guess. And I put the bike in, got her in the car, and then we just started chatting and da-da-da. And anyway, I dropped her in at the bike shop in town, and she was most thankful and... You know, she we spoke a few things about education and differences between our countries. And and the last thing she said to me was, um, thank you, and if I ever um, get a licence and drive a car, I'll remember this and I'll always stop for someone. Mm-hmm. And I thought, there's Joel at work, so. Mate, how yeah. can we therefore say, yeah. can anybody listening to this, not acknowledge mm. that the spirit lives on Absolutely. beyond the human form, mate. Absolutely. The bug is tapping you on the shoulder all the time uh, and, yes. and, and, and reminding you, you know, it's, it's, it's people like Joel and the privilege of learning from him as I'm learning from you, you know, right now mm. that helps, helps me form and shape, you know, the human being that, that, that I was on Sunday when with a beautiful dear friend we're we're leaving the Sunshine Coast, and can I share with you? We saw a young girl with her arm around a flagpole on the top of a roof, as if she was about to jump off. Oh my God! Right, and I'm I'm not going to make it about that story, please. But naturally enough, we called Triple O immediately, and. The police arrived. One of the good officers' name was James. Oh, please forgive me. I've forgotten the other one. But the two officers, Michelle and myself, looked after Tiana. And I'm mentioning your name, darling, because you're going to listen to this podcast, I hope. And the amount of love that we were able to give that kid when she came down from the top of the roof, I know that will impact her for a long time and and hope and trust that it is a, a poignant moment of shift. But what your audience, Keith, and mine should hear is the impact it 
has on us. Absolutely. Like you being this man, you 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 having Joel say, "Hey, it's okay, Dad. Mm. Do it. Mm. Go for it." Yeah. What's the impact on you? What's the value to you? Oh, hopefully, it's making me a better person. Um, Do you feel it? Yeah, I guess. I, but it's not about you know. It's not about me being a better person, really, is it? It's. It's just making the right choices and acting on what you know is right, I think. I well, think, it, I think it, yeah, probably the impact it's having is instead of me just thinking it or saying it, I do it. Yeah, but surely it's making you, 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 you recognise that love ultimately has to be an action. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Love, yeah. greater love, the mm. potency of it is not just in a thought or a feeling. No. It's in, uh, it's in the acting on it. In the act, action yeah. of it, yeah. Keith, um, I said at the start, you you told me at the start here that how often you sometimes you listen to the podcast and you can actually hear me thinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I I love to get exactly the right word, you know that that I want to say. I I, I don't want to get a word that's close enough mm. to 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 what I'm I'm trying to communicate. I did say at the start, it's an honour and I want you to know that that it has been an honour, an enormous honour to talk to Joel's dad. Thank you ever so much for that little text message that you you sent me after you listened to to episode 25. Mm because that that text message was our first connection. I didn't even know Joel had a dad called Keith, mm. you know. Mm. And but that text message told me, you know, where you were where you were at. Buddy, I can only imagine um what grief feels like. I I can't imagine, you know, what you're experiencing. But somehow I feel that I recognise the courage of you being here. There will be so many listeners that are thankful that you've shared this. People can't listen to this and not hear uh, what you've said. But the real joy for me is is that, that what you've said is is Keith. And it's the spirit of Joel, you know, fully, fully alive. The bugger ain't going away, mate. And you can't have that experience that he and you have had Hmm. and disappear. I think we've celebrated his message, mate, here today. Bernie, shut up. No, that's you. You finish it off, Keith. What? What? What's your? Well, look. What's I, your experience, mate? I, I yeah, I, I would just like to thank you for giving me the opportunity to to share another part of Joel's story or journey yeah. and and my journey to an extent. Um, obviously, for me, it's a part of my healing process to be able to sit and talk with a like-minded person such as yourself and feel safe in that environment. And um, yeah, it's 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 yeah, it's, yeah. It's, 
uh, yeah, it's just a part of my healing process yeah. and, and opportunities like these I gratefully accept because it keeps him alive. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm so, just so honoured that you accepted it. Thank Buddy, you. love to Cathy. Cathy, I'm, I'm sure you'll listen to this, darling, where can't imagine what you're going through. To Jay and Kyle, our, um, our loving support to you and to, and to you too, Kieran. Um, you're right, darling. He, uh, he continues to bring a heck of a lot of colour. Key State. You little ripper, mate. Thanks, Bernie. Thank you, pal, Thank for you. being a part Thank of you. a journey with Bernie. And what a special, uh, a special day it's been in the podcast history. Thank you. Cheers, man. pal. Thanks, Bernie. Appreciate it, mate. Thank Take you. care. I do hope you enjoyed today's episode of A Journey with Bernie. Dear people, I loved it. I just love investigating and exploring these learning opportunities that each one of our guests provides. I hope it's the same for you. Of course, you may be after contact and connection details or references to any books that were made during the podcast. Why not go to the podcast notes? All the information is there for you, dear people. Some of you have rung me recently about joining our Nepalese adventures in 2023. Can you imagine it? You and I walking to Everest Base Camp over 14 glorious days or a similar time frame to visit the Gokyo Lakes and seeing the Himalayan vista outlined in front of us. What a beautiful experience for each and every one of us. All you have to do is ring plus six one. 412-982-444. Have a chat with me and I'll have an information kit to you in no time. And why would you even consider doing this? Well, it's just all about the journey of life. And here yet is another opportunity. Just embrace it, dear people. Love your journey and always remember... Remember.